It's time for your weekly trip inside the ropes and behind the scenes of the Australian golf industry. Welcome to another episode of the Australian Golf Show with Tiffany Cherry and Mark Allen. Welcome to our final Australian Golf Show for 2021 with your hosts, Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry and Marco. And we've got a special Christmas present for our listeners this week on the back of last week's launch of the Australian Golf Strategy for 2022-25. This is, of course, the inaugural National Strategy for Australian Golf. We have joining us on the show not one but all three CEOs of golf in Australia, Karen Lunn from the WPGA Tour of Australasia and also, of course, the 1993 British Open champion, Gavin Kirkman from the PGA of Australia and James Sutherland from Golf Australia. Welcome to you all. Great to have Welcome, you on the guys. show. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Mark. Karen, Karen, let's start with you. How important was it that the inaugural Australian Golf Strategy was a whole industry collaboration? Yeah, I mean, it's so important. You know, there's nothing like this ever been done in golf in this country. And we all know that, um, you know, golf has been spoken about as being, you know, a very fragmented industry. And, um, yeah, I think it was just, uh, I think the the nature research uh, study that was done, I think the findings from that were kind of the, the catalyst, really, that we knew that there were a lot of issues that needed to be addressed. And we knew that one organisation buying into it just wasn't going to work. So it needed to be a whole of industry approach. And uh, the process that we've gone through, you know, led by um, James and, and his team, it's, it's been fantastic. I think that we've consulted with, I think it was around about 10,000 golfers in Australia, you know, a lot of facilities and uh, golf clubs, public facilities as well, um, all of the state bodies. So everyone's really had an opportunity to have their say, which is great because I think that there's there's been a school of thought that um, golf in Australia was just going off on its merit way and nobody really had a say in what direction it was going in so I think that um, everyone's everyone's had a say now we've come up with a really good strategy that we're all really excited about and yeah the next steps are moving forward with it. James uh, there's been talk for probably the last 15 years that hopefully one day everybody under the same umbrella and and a little bit more um, streamlined like probably Tennis Australia is you know if there's just one tournament on you call Tennis Australia in in our country for the last 15 years, if the Australian Open's on, you call Golf Australia. If the Australian PGA's on, you call the PGA of Australia. It goes on and on and on. You were quoted, you know, at, at the start of this strategy release that we need to actually lift our eyes beyond our own organisation. Could you just give us a little more detail into that part of the quote? Um, yeah, look, I think in a broad sense, I think we... Uh, anyone that loves uh, a sport um, should, by extension, be a custodian of their sport and um, should have an attitude that um, they, if you love a sport, um, you know you have a responsibility to pass it on to the next generation in a, in better shape than than where we found it. And there's no shortage of people around Australia that have the golf bug and and that love golf, but there's also um, a lot of people that don't understand it. A lot of people in our sporting community that are maybe positively disposed to golf but don't feel uh, welcome. And so what I like to say is that uh, whilst I might be employed by Golf Australia, I don't work for Golf Australia, I work for golf. And if um, everyone in Karen's organisation, everyone in Gavin's organisation, everyone in in other golf organisations around the country uh, lift their eyes, I guess, to that um, sort of sentiment, um, then it's a good start, and I think this strategy tries to tries to do that. Uh, gives us everything, gives us all something that is um, beyond our own, but uh, all part of uh, something that's good for golf, for Australian golf. 
Gavin, it's uh, it's been nine months in the making. What's been the reaction from the pros so far? Yeah, I think the pros, you know, who at the moment are very busy, but they're looking at um, what their role is. And as James said, we're all custodians of our sport. Um, we've all got a role and a responsibility. But the PGA professional is uh, the shop front of our sport across all areas. So they're, you know, the men and women that uh, that have that passion, they've come up and played the game at a reasonable level and then they've gone down a pathway of vocational um, or tour onto the tour now as well. But I think um, everyone's really excited that the professionals can play a part, but I think we're the professionals now feeling really comfortable, Tiff, that they're part of a whole of golf, a whole of sports strategy, and that's really exciting. Darren, uh, again, I'll, I'll go back to some of these quotes that we heard and, and you can expand on. I remember uh, Moore Park. I reckon they were going to lose nine holes up in Sydney uh, and some of the things that were being written about golf, um, to me, I just thought I just couldn't believe my eyes, particularly when you're talking about public golf. And uh, You were quoted again, I'll, I'll just read off it, uh, that you know, the, the sport was seen as elitist for men, for the wealthy, and not at all inclusive. That must have shocked you. You know, when you're reading all this stuff, and uh, it, like it shocked me. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the image that golf does have, and I think that that's one of the things that have, has come out of this strategy is that we need to tell our story better, and and that's, uh, you know, the golf is a game for all. Everyone can play golf. Um, you know, we looked at the what was on the TV with with the uh, the major winners playing with their their kids. I mean, mm. what other sport could you do that and compete together? You know, golf is a game for everyone. But we need to tell our story better, not not just um, who can play and when they can play, which we want it to be every Australian to have an opportunity to play, but certainly in terms of the public facilities, um, there's so much, I hate to say it, rubbish being written out there about uh, public facilities and the way they're used. Uh, we need to tell that story better about, you know, how good golf can be for the environment, what golf can give back to the local community, which, and, and that's, you know, that's a really important pillar for us is just telling our story better and, and getting people to understand what a great game golf is, make sure it is a game for everyone, make sure everyone has access to it and make it fun. Um, and that's, that's a big part of it, telling our story better. James, let, let's keep moving, let's move forward. Um, the clubs, you know, I think public golf, we're just on the back of public golf courses. That's entry level. It's the most important link in the chain as far as I'm concerned to get people into the game. But then eventually, you know, people graduate into becoming a member of a golf club. When you've got this strategy for the next three years, is there a role for the clubs in all this? Because essentially, you know, when you join a club, one of the great things, they, they can kind of make their own rules. But what, what sort of a a role do you see the private clubs in this strategy? Do they have one? Oh, absolutely. Um, and <clears throat> one of the foundation pillars of the strategy is uh, what we call Grow Our Core, which is very much um, supporting and encouraging our clubs and facilities um, such that they provide great experiences for their customers, uh, being primarily their members, but also uh, visitors that come to to their club, and I think all clubs can learn. You know, no club is um, is uh, superior on all fronts to uh, to others. Everyone can learn from each other in terms of their customer experience. And what so what we want to do is we want to continue to benchmark, continue to provide um, great examples of of customer service, golf experiences, 
Um, the work that, as Gavin said earlier on, the, the work that the vocational professionals perform at very much at the at the coalface, um, the shop front window, if you like, of of our golf clubs is incredibly important. And um, to that end, we want to provide the the services such that they can do that better. So um, clubs, not, not there aren't that many clubs that have waiting lists, um, and and we want to. Keep, as you said, you know, the, through that entry level um, in, in that public environment, we want to keep moving people along the pathway um, on their journey. Um, some might have an aspiration to be a golf club member, some might not, but um, once they are, we want them to have that, that great experience. Um, only 14% of the, the people that hit golf balls last year in Australia are members of golf clubs. Um, we'd love to see that increase. It, it just shows that what, what are we doing with that 86% to move them along the spectrum and, and to show um, that club environment, how good it can be and um, perhaps the pleasure of being a golf club member. The numbers are that 1.8 million uh, played alternative golf sometime in the last 12 months of that sort of the 3 million who had some kind of connection with golf. That, that alternative golf, how are we looking to capture that market and make it sustainable long after you know, the restrictions of COVID on other sports have gone. I mean, I think the starting point there is um, for us, and Gavel um, may have a comment on this, but for me the starting point is this saying that we're using all golf is golf. We want to, want people to understand that anyone that's hitting a, hitting a, a ball is, um, is, as far as we're concerned, a golfer. They are welcome in our community and we want to give them great experiences and we ideally want to move them along the spectrum. Um, so these alternative formats that you refer to, Tiff, are increasingly popular. Technology is playing a really important role in that experience. And uh, through the use of technology, improved facilities, improved customer service, hospitality, um, you know, drinks, food, beverages around um, that environment are all uh, providing um, and are conducive to a great experience. And uh, that's the way we're thinking about it. You, you don't have to play 18 holes of green grass golf to be playing golf. Gavin, you've spoken about the halcyon days back in the 80s and the 90s and recently before COVID, we saw how huge golf is in this country with President's Cups and World Cups and Australian Opens in Sydney and the, the Australian PGA, you know, when you see the crowds up there and then, of course, the US Tour event, the Women's Australian Open over in Adelaide is an enormous event for that state and, and probably for our country as well. Are there things, Gavin, tingling along in the background for professional golf to look forward to? I know you can't say everything, but I, you must be hopeful. Is there hope for a new horizon of professional golf in this country? Oh, by, by all means. And I, I think, you know, what we've, um, we've achieved a little bit this year working with the WPGA Tour and, and also James and the team at Golf Australia, we've got a, one thing we haven't done is promote our domestic golfers, our future stars of the game. And the player series have allowed us to do that, um, men and women coming together with elite amateurs and junior boys and girls joining them on the weekend. So, you know, we've got to showcase our game. And, and, you know, we say a lot, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that's important. Um, as far as the pathways mark on to the overseas tours, I think we've got an ever-changing um, golf ecosystem at the moment. And there are going to be great opportunities where the three of us are working on, on our um, alliances with 
other tours that will create pathways, exemptions, all the way through to to the DP World Tour, to the LPGA, which we just saw. Um, two of our two of our girls just get their full cards, which is you know, Karis and Steph, just fantastic. And and uh, and as I said, to see the two young guys that have won our Australasian Tour events this year in Blake Windred and Jack Thompson, future stars of the game. So Minwoo Lucas. Um, Hannah Minji, I think you know what we've we haven't done before, and and the three of us are working together on we're we're developing stars through the Golf Australia High Performance Programs and all the state programs around the country, and our stars are going on to these main tours, Mark. But what they're doing is the Aussie stars are monetizing the main tours. So what we're saying to the main tours, we want something back. We want to be recognised for our great talent and the mm. programs in, in our development, but give us some exemptions and give us some some um, yeah opportunities to to grow our tour and in particular our domestic and development. Wow, bravo! That, yeah, that's fantastic news. And, and Gavin and, and Karen, this is also a question for you. But Gavin, if you want to pick it up first, I think you talked about then you can't be what you can't see, and I think what's really important as I go around and talk you know, to to my peers and to a lot of women that I know who want to want to get involved in the game or that want their kids to get involved in the game. Having, um, you know, profession, female professional coaches is mm. such an important component of the growth of the game. So we know that it's obviously you have to be a pretty good golfer to, uh, you know, to, to go through through the, the school and, and get on the, obviously get your card, et cetera. But are we able to um, tinker with, you know, the handicap and look at, at, at increasing it to a level where we can gather more women who are um, really keen to, to go down that pathway and make it easier for them to, you know, to, t- to take up that as a, as a career choice. Yeah, Tiff, there, there is. And, and we're, again, when we look at strategy and, and vision, um, the pathways are very different. So to become a tour player now, male or female, you've got to play and you've got to get out there and, and show your wares through all the stages of tour schools um, right to where Steph and, and Karis got to recently. Vocationally, it is changing globally. So it's more or less, you know, to come in and, and work as a and get your qualification, which is a coaching diploma mm. through the um, PGA Membership Pathway Program. Um, there is a playing assessment test. There is playing involved in that. And we've slowly, you know, been pushing that out so we can capture more players. But I think, you know, again, working together, which is a key part of this strategy, we've got to develop more young women to play, even if they can get to single-figure handicaps. They don't have to be on the tour. They don't have to win the in-state squads. But I think Mm -hmm. by attracting more women to the game, the amount of women that will be available to enter programs to become coaches um, is going to be really solid. So I'm very optimistic um, you know, working with our councils at the PGA, we're, we're going to continue to push that um, entry level out. Um, but we've got to capture more women and get turn more young girls into, um, into golfers. And I think the um, Australian Golf Foundation Junior Girls Program that's being launched, that's going to be huge. It's going to be 800 girls in that program yep. this uh, coming year. And that's a catalyst of everyone getting together for a common a common goal, but a very critical goal for our sport. 
Just, just while we're on uh, the girls and girls getting into, into the sport, James, uh, these days it, it's incredible. My daughter will watch Test Cricket with me at night time. It, it is unbelievable. You've come from um, that background. You were the CEO of Cricket Australia uh, and you were the CEO in a time where our girls were un, unbeatable um, and there was a real rise in the visibility of women playing cricket, so much so where you didn't have not, – not much had to happen for my – 14-year-old daughter to have an interest in, and, and ask questions and want to watch the girls play on the TV. It was incredible. From your experience there, how much of a push-along did it take to get that sort of reaction from kids around the country? And and how much rea- how, how much do you think we need to push in, in golf? Um, yeah, I think it's really important. And, you know, as Karen said earlier on, um, part of this – a lot of this starts with us telling our story and um, creating a uh, overcoming any perceptions that golf isn't a welcoming sport, isn't a sport for all. And, um, you know, there are various quarters of the sport that don't necessarily welcome young people um, and don't certainly don't welcome girls or don't make girls feel comfortable. I think um, <clears throat> I like to use the term places to play. You know, we need to, for young people, we need to create great places for them to play. You might think of that as a playground, but a sporting field that is welcoming is also a place for kids to play. Mm. And if they feel comfortable and they have uh, like-minded people around them, um, then that's great. One one of the things that I, you know, this sense of custodianship um, and this data point that uh, was true in cricket when we did a lot of our work was that um, we asked the question about girls who had played cricket or were currently playing cricket, who was the most significant influence for them to pick up a, bat, a ball and play cricket. And perhaps not surprisingly, their father was four times more likely than any person in the world to have influenced their interest and um, attitude towards cricket. And I think as a male-dominated sport that, Golf is statistics show that eighty percent of um, members are, are male. The males, male golfers of Australia who love their love their golf, have a responsibility to introduce their daughters to the game. I know Tiff, your um, your father introduced you to the game, and it is a wonderful thing. As you you noted, watching mm-hmm. Test cricket with your daughter, I've had that experience too. I've also had that experience playing golf with my daughter. It's a wonderful thing to have. Um, something uh, more in common with her than just ballet uh, classes. <laughs> um, Karen, I just I wanted to go back, um, ask you a question about, and a few few women have put this to me. A lot of women will only only want to play nine holes and build up to nine holes, and then they just simply don't have the time to play play anything beyond that. I know we've some, there's been talk of you know twelve hole golf and 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 all the way up to eighteen. Can we possibly get a handicap? for nine holes so women can still go out there, have a handicap, play in certain tournaments or whatever it might be and feel like they're really part of that collective uh, family of golf that are at that next stage. Well, I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that there are nine-hole handicaps out there now, aren't there? Yeah. Right. Okay. Apologies. I, I wasn't aware. No, which is awesome because, as you said, you know, a lot of women, especially, you know, that have had kids, um, you know, are looking after the kids or the kids are at school, they're always rushing around doing something and they don't always have five hours. And the same with a lot of men. They just don't have the time. So, as James said before, all golf is golf. And, you know, 
the, the goal is to get more Australians playing more golf. And however that happens, that's what we need to try and do. Gavin uh, and Karen, you can probably both answer this. What, what's the role going to be for our stars? Uh, you know, the ones that the kids see on TV. Um, have they been, you know, have they been um, given a brief uh, on what's maybe expected, what would help? Maybe not so much what's expected, but what would help? Have they been briefed? I'll start with you, Karen. Yeah, no, they haven't been briefed as such, but I think that we, we're always trying to make our players aware, and I know the LPGA do a really good job of this with their players, um, that, that they are, they're not just golfers, they're role models. And, and whether you want to be, whether you choose to be, whether you think you should be or not be, you're a role model for other young women. And the girls on the LPGA Tour, and obviously we've got uh, you know several of them out there now, and as Gav alluded to with Steph and Karis um, having their cards, we're going to have a great a great group out there. And, you know, you, you are, you have a responsibility. And I think, again, going back to what James says, we all have a responsibility to to leave the game in a better place than than how we found it. And and the young stars like Minji and Hannah, obviously they're our most recent two major winners, um, you know, that's got to inspire so many young women to want to play golf, but still not that many they're not seen enough on our televisions. They're not. We don't showcase them well enough. And I think that's one of the issues. We have to find a way. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before, Tiff. Whereas Hannah at the Olympics, she she became more well known in Australia um, by coming fifth at the Olympics than she did by winning a major championship. Yep. So somehow we have to get our mainstream media, our sports media. We need to get them more on board. So when our girls have these uh, wonderful achievements, that they're celebrated as a young man would be if it was Min Woo Lee winning a major or um, one of the boys. So I think that's a big key. We need, The media have got a big part to play in getting our women's names out there, names and faces, so um, young women and, and young boys can want to win major championships just like them. And aspire to. And then Hannah went on to win mm. uh, $1 million US dollars, $1.4 million. Nice little uh, Christmas present. Gav, could I get an answer from you as well? Just with the fella, I was at the, um, the Sandbell Classic this week as well, and I saw Lucas Herbert, who's, you know, who was the hottest player in the field, really. What was he won? He won a Dubai, he won the Irish Open, he won in America as well. He's playing in the Masters. Um, and to see people walking uh, the fairways with him and, and the way he reacted to the kids, it was almost like, you know, he's he had to roll the play in all this. I mean, have, have, have the men been briefed as well, Gavin? Yeah, and they've been briefed, with, but, you know, what we've got to do, our, our members... Um, and the women do a great job. Karen's relationship with the players are second to none. We've got to get better with the male guys. You know, we've, we've got Adam and Jason and, and Leash and Cam and, and then, you know, we've got all these superstars. James and I have to, you know, and where possible, and Karen, we've got to get in front of these people. Um, you know, I've purposely set, set the, sent the strategy to all their player managers Um and, you know, we'll follow up with that. But we want to get our players engaged and bring them along for the journey of the Australian golf strategy. So, Marco, there's a lot more to do there. But I think if we're doing it in a unified approach and not singular approach, um, we will get some more response. All we want is access and um, to, to their, their brand as far as promoting Australian golf. We don't want to monetize it. We just want to use it for this strategy and to promote the game. And James, a question from me. You've said one of your quotations on the launch of the strategy was um, our time is now and, you know, we've got wind in our sails, we need to use it. How big can golf be in Australia? Can it become the number one participation sport? 
across all age groups? Um, I, I think, um, I mean, we already are in terms of for males over the age of 50, we are already the number one organised sport for males. I think we're number two for females yeah. above the age of 50. Um, it, it, in itself, that's not a story that has been well told. Mm. Um, you know, our, um, Mark said earlier on about golf courses, some being called into question. Um, I mean, the service that golf provides to um, older people in the community is incredible. And um, if they're not playing golf, what are they doing in terms of exercise and um, you know, camaraderie and all of that? And that, so that's a really important role that golf mm-hmm. plays. And there aren't a lot of sports that you can play into your, into your 90s. So um, from that perspective, um, it's incredibly important. I, I think clearly... Uh, there are other mainstream sports for, for juniors that are going to be more prevalent because of their team sports and they're very much community sports and they're, they're, they're you know, rusted on consumer sports as well. But uh, we, want to be, we want to be relevant in those early age groups and that's where our My Golf programs and uh, early uh, alternative format customer experiences are incredibly important. Um, golf is golf is more than a sport. It is a, a leisure activity. It is a lifestyle. And I think uh, whilst we uh, can be tempted to draw comparisons um, with golf to others, golf is unique uh, and we have a distinct competitive advantage as a sport for life and that's something that we want to play on. And I know that... Um... This week, and at Golf Australia joined with the Cancer Council and the longest day in golf. And you're playing, I believe, 72 holes with Tom. You, uh, you've been carbo loading and resting up. Yes, uh, I'll be early, <laughs> early to bed tonight. Uh, I'm playing with Tom, our, our 17 year old, who um, thinks he's going to beat me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> he may well, because I might not even finish. But um, it's uh, it's going to be fun. We're it's obviously a great cause and. Golf Australia, in fact, the whole golf community is incredibly proud of their association through the longest day with the Cancer Council. And I think over $3 million was raised last year for that cause, which goes to cancer, particularly skin cancer research um, and prevention and awareness. And um, we're doing a little bit this year. I thought I'd better sort of walk the walk, so to speak. Um, It'll probably end up being about 35 kilometres or something. um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> It'll be um, maybe a few hundred shots as well, but uh, let's hope I just beat Tom and survive. You're playing too, Tiff. Oh, I'm going to try. I, don't, I won't be playing 72 holes. I'm going to in between driving uh, three and a half hours to my hometown of Bright. I'll, I'll play a few holes here before we go and then I'll see if I can play nine holes with Vivian running alongside me when we get up there. Half your luck. Good luck. Good luck to both of you. Well, all the best with that tomorrow, James. And uh, and thanks to all of you for your wonderful time. And obviously we wish you uh, a, a fabulous Christmas. Look forward to seeing you in, in Brisbane in mid-January for the Australian PGA Championship. And uh, hopefully it's going to be a fabulous year in 2022. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Great job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you very much. You're listening to the Australian Golf Show with Mark Allen and Tiffany Cherry. And if you haven't already done so connect with us on twitter at ost golf show we post a link to the show every week and of course uh keep you up to date with all the news at home and overseas but right now we have our news hound martin blake joining us g'day martin um what's making headlines with you so far hello tiff and marco and that was a terrific chat with the the ceos the round table i enjoyed that uh the news of the week's really been around charlie and tiger mm. woods hasn't it it's just gone worldwide i'd mm. i'd love to see what the the ratings were um 
I know that last year when they played in that event, which is for those people who didn't see it, um, a family event. So you have to be a major winner as the major partner. Uh, you have to be a major winner, either man or woman. And mm -hmm. the other player has to be a family member. So there's some fathers and grandsons and there's Peter Corder played with Nelly Corder and Tiger, of course, played with Charlie and finished second behind uh, John Daly and little John Daly. Um, it is a fabulous event and it was so good to see Tiger back on the course. They didn't sort of show him much in the cart. I believe he carted all the way around, but hit the ball pretty damn well. And mm. Marco, Tiger, uh, Charlie Woods can hit it pretty well too. Oh, I can hit it well, but the, the thing that uh, really grabbed me was of their 14 birdies, because they shot 57 in a in an Ambrose, uh, two-man Ambrose in the last day. What shocked me, of their 14 birdies, uh, Charlie held nine of those parts. He yeah. also, he also, he birdied 16 and 17 himself off his own ball. No help from dad. When, you know, they're playing for a lot of money. He told us last week how much. They, they are playing grand, I think they for up. a lot of money. And under the gun, Charlie's gone birdie, birdie on 16 and 17 by himself. Well, what about the attitude of the kid, you know, picking picking the marker up before the putt's even gone in the hole? I saw that a couple of times. <laughs> hey, well, uh, I spoke to Nick Ahern last week, and obviously we all both know that he's, uh, he's the only man to have beaten uh, Tiger in match play, not once but twice. And I said to him, you know, what is it about Tiger that really sticks in your mind? He said, you get there on the, on the opening tee or whatever it is, and you've just never seen anyone more determined, more focused, his, his ability to block up everything and just focus on his task at hand. And Charlie, it was a chip off the old block. It was hmm. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I, I love this Nick, Nick O'Hearn. He's, he's the best. You know, he says that, and then, by the way, I've beaten him twice. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I absolutely love him. That's <laughs> enough to dine out on, Mark. Oh, oh, uh, it's so good. It's so so good. Tiger Woods did speak about Charlie and the pressure that he's under and how he's been able to block it out. I think we might have a listen to that, actually, uh, and just yep. see. It's quite an interesting commentary from Tiger. As I've explained to him, it's like my dad explained to me, no matter how many people are around you, whether it's zero or, you know, millions, it doesn't matter. It's the same shot. It doesn't change. It's exactly the same shot. The ball's not moving. It's just sitting there. Now you got to hit the shot. And so whether he's playing at home with his buddies or he's playing with me or he's playing a tournament golf or he's playing, you know, in front of you know, TV crews, it doesn't matter. It's the same exact shot. And just having that mindset, he's, he's starting to understand it and learn that. Um, and he showed that today. Now, now, that is some fascinating insight into how he thinks, Tiger Woods. The way that he described that, um, that Earl gave that uh, to him, that, you know, this this is one shot. It's, it's no different. doesn't matter whether you're by yourself or there's a million people watching. It is absolutely brilliant. And I, I remember, Martin, you might be able to help me. There's a, I think it was Alan Jeans back in the days. He was trying to describe to his Hawthorne players what pressure was. And what he did, he got them all to walk over a ladder when it was on the ground. And then he took it up to this building 10 stories high and he put the ladder across a building. And he goes, well, you all walked across that plank or the ladder or whatever it was when it was on the ground. It's no problem. It's exactly the same thing here. Who wants to go first? And, of course, it's a great illustration of what pressure is. It's the same skill, but there is something in the background that, you know, could hurt you. Uh, and just to hear Tiger Woods, you know, talk through the, his, uh, I guess, the advice to Charlie, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. 
Tiff, uh, a lot of people have been proven wrong already by Tiger because he's back playing and uh, many people said we'd never see him again yeah. after the car accident in February. So I guess 2022 is going to be a year of of waiting to see what Tiger does. I mean, we're only a few months out from the Masters and if he can get out there and play, uh, the focus on golf and the focus on him is going to be incredible. There's no doubt that he's got the, the swing and the, ball sp- and the ball speed that's done. The only thing, Tiff, that might hold mm-hmm. him back is the walking. Yeah. So I want to ask you both. We've seen tour players before allowed to ride a cart to play golf tournaments. Would you be okay with Tiger Woods but, using the cart? But he's refused, hasn't he? Flat out said that he will yeah. not he will yeah. not ride a cart ride a cart. That's what he's saying at the moment. Yeah. That's what he's saying at the moment. Yeah. I personally wouldn't have any problem with the guy's had a major car accident and broken two bones in his leg. Uh, I would be happy for him to play in a cart, but uh I think I said one other time. I'm not sure whether his pride would allow that. Yeah. Um, yep. So t- that was Tiger. Look, uh, Jeff Ogilvy and Hannah Green are the first two players who have been named to be playing in the Vic Open uh, in February at 13th Beach in Victoria. That was some good news this week. Uh, Jack Thompson won the first pro of, his first pro event in the Gippsland Super Six. Went to 32 holes on the last day. Uh, South Australian player was a good amateur. He's been floating around the pros without winning, so that was a, a good week for looks, him. Looks to be a star, Jack mm. Thompson. I, I really like the way he plays golf. He does. The RNA put out a survey this week which came across my desk. They Every five years or so, they track how many golfers there are in the world. How many do you reckon there are, Tiff? Uh, golfers. I'd have to say about 150 million. But that could be my stat of the week. So it's 66.6 million golfers. Uh, but the interesting thing is it's up 5.6 million since they last tracked it in 2016. Wow. So it's going up. And my last news item, Marco, is a very, very significant one. And it's not far from uh, where we are right now because the new head of female engagement at Golf Australia <laughs> was announced this week. And it's Tiffany Cherry. Oh, that fantastic. Thanks, thanks, Congratulations, Tiff. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm absolutely stoked. I, I've said Has that to been her, in the wind for a while? Um, well, I uh, applied for it a little while ago, and then there was uh, a number of rounds. Um, and then yeah, I found out about a week ago, about 10 days ago, and, and they announced it late last week. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of things that I've done in my in my career, everything sort of put me in this position, and I'm uh, I just cannot wait. I'm so excited, obviously, on the back of the, the strategy being launched and, and just where golf is going. You just talked about then that statistic, um, you know, and there's opportunities. I've, I've obviously been involved in sport pretty much most of my life and women's and women's sport and in, advancing women in sport and opportunities. And, and I see golf as being at the forefront of that, um, you know, its ability to crossover into corporate world, um, obviously its ability to bring in, you know, there's uh, there's the charity days. Um, there's so much that golf can touch and from professional golf to the public golf to the alternative golf. And, and I just want to get women um, across it. I want to get women involved in it. I want to get them um, being able to experience the love and joy of what golf brings, but also the business opportunities that, you know, for so long have just really been, mostly open to men and, and shut off to women simply because they just weren't playing or weren't invited to, you know, to those events. So, Tiff, have you got a game plan in mind? I mean, are you going to, you know, put your feet under the desk and, and get started? Are you going to have a bit of a, a look around and see how yeah. things roll first and yeah. see where, you know, maybe devise your strategy, how to, to get things rolling? What, what do you think is going to happen? 
Look, I've got a number of program ideas in my head um, and I've talked uh, about those with a couple of people, but I think it's really important that just what you said is to ask around, listen. Listen is such a key. Listen to the pain points of people um, and to the suggested you know, um, solutions, but perhaps they haven't, no one's heard, you know, listened to those or, or been able to, been in a position to apply them um, and listen to the things that have been successful, those that have gone rogue, have gone off just because they've been frustrated, gone and done, you know, their own thing, um, which I did a little while ago and, and, and have a look at why those things have been successful. So, you know, I think once, once I get out and do all that um, and then sit back and collect that data and, you know, and that anecdotal evidence and, and put it together and, and with the team that we've got at Golf Australia and, you know, again, this united strategy behind us. Um, yeah, let's watch out and see what happens in 2022. Chilo Curtis was your predecessor in that role. Yes. She broke down a lot of doors. She's a very strong person. She did a great job she and did. she's moved on to, I think, the Red Cross. But uh, I'm just wondering, Tiff, whether you feel like the wheel has turned in oh, terms of female participation, that there has been a change of attitude. Marco, I'd be interested to know what you think about that as well. I absolutely think there has. This is my personal, without having started in at Golf Australia as yet, I, I absolutely believe it has. Um, those statistics that have come out over the past 12 months where, you know, there's sort of 1.8 million people have played alternate golf and of that 60% were uh, females or, or more, you know, I really, I, and just speaking to friends and speaking to a number of people and people have reached out from other business networks who um, are just starting to play golf or wanting to play, have an interest in it. So interest is absolutely there and, and people are dipping their toes in and it's now time for us to capture that and to give them an opportunity to, um, you know, really, really be embraced by the industry and really mm. experience other forms of golf and, and, and make it sustainable for them to, to um, continue the love of the sport and to get their kids involved. Could, could I just give one thing Please. maybe yes. for you to look into? At, at private clubs, for as long as I've been around them, there's always been a ladies' day. Yep. And and everyone gets it. it. It's you know it's not an issue, but it, it's women feel comfortable playing with women amongst other women. Yep. I think to get more people into the game, I don't think there are enough public golf courses advertising their Women's Day. Yeah. Yep. I don't even know whether they have a Women's Day, but I know if I was driving past my local golf club, a public golf club, um, and it said on a sign there, "Ladies' morning every Thursday morning from." seven till 10 hit off. I think yep. that would really help the situation. I know if I walked past it, if I drove past it, I'd call my mum and say, hey, mum, yep. have you seen this? There's a ladies golf day down at the, you know, so-and-so golf club, public golf course. I think that would be a great thing, a really wonderful stepping stone. That's yeah, a great suggestion. To get women to feel more comfortable and get them on that first tee. We've spoken about the pressures on the first tee a lot, and this is a big one. Absolutely. No, that's a great suggestion. I'll absolutely look into that. And um, and also, you know, it's, it's looking at the times there were professional women who really can't play. A lot of them are too exhausted to play twilight uh, golf, but, you know, when can they play on the weekend? Well, they don't want to tee off time at 7 o'clock in the morning all the time that's offered to them. You know, they want to occasionally be able to sleep in. So, And then it's the mums who may be um, not working and, uh, you know, have that window in the middle of the day in between school drop-offs, but it can't be too long. And they want fun and they want to be able to talk to their friends and sit down and have a chat and a 
cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever it might be. So anyway, there's lots to do. Can't wait to get started. So I'm, um, I'm officially starting the end of Jan. <laughs> Fantastic. Good on you, Martin. Thank you. Yeah, well, Thank I'm you, Mark, and uh, happy Christmas to both of you and, and a happy new year. And let's hope we get a, a slightly better 2022 than uh, the last crossed. couple. Yeah, but, we uh, will. And a lot of good, good golf. Yeah, good on you, Martin. Thanks for all your input into the show. And Marco, we've still got one more segment. It's you and Charlie after the break. We've already heard all the hype surrounding Tiger's return and his 12-year-old son, Charlie, stole most of the spotlight from his 15 times major winning dad. That takes something pretty special. And Marco, you've taken a closer look at Charlie's swing. How good is this kid? Uh, No, the swing's very, very good. I was very surprised to find out he was in the top 100 12-year-olds in Florida. Think about that. He averages 83. The way he played was incredible. There is no way there are over 100 12-year-olds better than him. So I don't know where that stat came from. I've got a little bit of insight, though, and this is something that I reckon all people could do. When you look at his golf clubs, uh, Tiger gave him a set of blades. You know, he wants the kid to find the center of the club. That's probably one of the reasons he's not playing as you know as well as some of the other 12-year-olds because his clubs are hard to play with, but they're going to make him search for that sweet spot. I think if you've got a very talented youngster, I love this strategy. I absolutely love it. Don't make it easy for your young superstar to find the sweet spot. You know, you might need a set of clubs that help him early, but once you start seeing him swing or her, once you start seeing them swing the club in a way where they're hitting the ball quite well, that's when I would, a bit like Tiger, I would change their next set of clubs or set of blades and don't spoil them with a big sweet spot. Make them search, make them work to find that sweet spot, particularly if they love the game. So that's my advice. Um, if you've got a kid who's talented uh, and it's, you're looking for their next set of clubs, the next step up, make it a set of blades, just like Charlie Woods. Find the sweet spot. Thank you so much, Marco. I've loved the last two months working alongside you. It's been an absolute uh, thrill, great thrill to the end of, of my 2021 and uh-huh. wishing you a very Merry Christmas, festive season, and can't wait to uh, see you out in the golf course and join you again on the Australian Golf Show in 2022. Good on you, Tiff. Good luck to everybody in 2022.